if you take hold of a, a Bible or at least can see, see a Bible and turn back to one, page, 1100 and, page, page 1218 in the church Bibles. Page 1218, as we continue looking at this letter written by Peter. Well, if you've ever felt under pressure because you've lost your house keys, uh, spare a thought for Ana Martinez de Aguila. Miss de Aguila is the director of Madrid's Reina Sofia Museum a museum that has managed to lose a massive 38-tonne steel sculpture by the artist Richard Serra. I think it's one thing to lose your house keys, but a 38-tonne steel sculpture, the equivalent in weight to about six London buses. It's not like it slipped down the side of the sofa, is it? Now, of course, if Miss De Gala was a man, finding it would be easy because she'd do what I always do and ask my long-suffering wife, Darling, where did I leave that 38-ton steel sculpture? And the ever-patient reply would come back, I, I think I saw it on the side. <laughs> on the side, it's that mysterious place known only to women, which may explain why most men can't find anything unless it jumps out and hits them. Well, the Christians that Peter was writing to were under pressure, not real pressure, not the sort of minor inconvenience of losing your house keys. These first century Christian believers were under pressure because they believed in Christ in a society that had rejected him. In an increasingly intolerant culture, they were discovering that being a Christian sometimes made life very difficult indeed. Uh, read on in the letter and you see they were falsely accused. They faced insults. People spoke maliciously against their good behaviour. Uh, they suffered shame and contempt from the world because they called themselves Christian. Now, so far in this letter, Peter has been reminding his readers of what Christ has done for them and what it means for their faith in Christ to express itself in a growing faithfulness to Christ. Through Christ we can have a, a fresh start, forgiveness and a new beginning, new beginning. And true faith in Christ expresses itself in faithfulness to him. So as we saw last week, Peter says, as obedient children, verse 14, we are not to conform to the evil desires what we had when we lived in ignorance. Rather, verse 15, just as he who called you is holy, we are to be holy in all we do. But then here was the problem for these uh, first century believers. Indeed, here's the problem for, for any Christian. The more that you, you grow as a Christian and engage with an unbelieving world, the more difficult life becomes. If you're going to take Christianity seriously, if it's going to be more than just a Sunday hobby, then in a society that increasingly rejects Jesus Christ, you will face 
pressure and opposition. But Peter's encouragement to his first readers and to us is that as we come to him, verse 4 of chapter 2, as our faith in Christ expresses itself as faithfulness to him, God is doing a work in and through our lives of eternal consequence for us and for other people. Now the first thing to note from this chapter is this. You are becoming a spiritual house, rejected by the world, but chosen and precious to God. If you're a Christian here this evening, you are becoming a spiritual house, rejected by the world, but chosen and precious to God. Verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not a natural DIY enthusiast. I get nervous with shelves, never mind anything that involves bricks and mortar. But Peter's encouragement has nothing to do with a building project we might undertake. It is rather something that God has planned, God has started, and God will complete. You see, Christ is the living stone, rejected by the world, but chosen and precious to God. And Peter says that if you come to him, if you come to Christ, then you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Do you see the encouragement for believers who are under pressure? Christ, the living stone, although rejected by men, was chosen by God and precious. And you also. If you trust what Christ did for you, if you depend on what he has done for you in history, you too, though rejected by the world, are chosen and precious to God. See, when you're under pressure living as a Christian. The temptation is just to live like everyone else, isn't it? Why bother following Christ when it makes life so much more difficult? Yeah, sometimes it's just easier to go with the flow, isn't it? Sometimes you just want to throw the towel in as a Christian, don't you? As a, as a Christian student trying to be godly in your relationships? In the world of business, trying to do things right and finding it's taking twice as long? As a parent, trying to be godly in the way in which you raise your children to be fair? In any relationship, trying to do what is right. And it seems so much more difficult when you're a Christian. And nobody even sees the fact that you're trying to live a godly life. Sometimes you feel like giving up. But as Peter puts it in, in chapter 4, he says you, you've spent enough time in the past doing the evil things that the godless people enjoy. You, you've done enough living without reference to God. You, you can't go back. You have to go forwards. And as you come to Christ, as your faith in him 
expresses itself increasingly as a faithfulness to him. Peter says you are becoming part of a spiritual house, rejected by the world but chosen and precious to God. Now, of course, you might ask why Peter bothers with the picture of becoming a spiritual house. Unless you know your Old Testament, it can just seem a bit random, as if Peter's been watching the first century equivalent of grand designs with Rabbi Kevin MacLeod. Now, why a spiritual house? You see, in the Old Testament, the place where God, God dwelt mattered. So in the beginning, God was present amongst his people in a garden. And for Israel, God was present in the tabernacle, the the tent-like construction that was at the centre of Israel's community. So as Israel journeyed to the promised land, God in this tabernacle, this tent, journeyed with his people, living in their midst, ruling and blessing them as their king. And when Israel arrived in Canaan, God promised that the the tent would become a temple, something permanent. So in 2 Samuel 7, God says, A son of David will build a house for God's name, a place where God will be present amongst his people, ruling them and blessing them as a king forever. And so it seemed to be the case under Solomon when the temple was built at the highest point in Israel's history. And you see, the stones of the Old Testament temple were enormously important because it taught God's people about how wonderful it is that Almighty God himself might dwell in the midst of his people, ruling and blessing them as a king. And yet the temple that Solomon built, the bricks and mortar that he put together, was eventually nothing but a pile of rubble. And although it was rebuilt, the replacement never came close to the original, still less the, the grandeur that many of God's people promised and looked forward to in the Old Testament. And it's to those great promises that Peter makes reference in verse 6, quoting from Isaiah. See, I lay a stone in Zion a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will not be put to shame. You see, it's a promise that's found fulfilment in Christ, the living stone, chosen and precious. And verse 6, the one who trusts in him will not be put to shame. Whatever the world's opposition and scorn, there is honour, not shame, in trusting Christ. See, the Old Testament stones pointed forward to the spiritual house that God is building. Christ, the living stone, is the, the cornerstone, the foundational stone, and the church resting on him, like living stones are being built into a spiritual house, a community amongst whom God himself is present by his Holy Spirit. And you need to remember that when you are feeling under pressure as a Christian. When you're at school and being known as a Christian is guaranteed to make you the butt of every joke. 
Or when you make a stand in the workplace and, and you're accused of being a, a do-gooder Bible basher who thinks that he's better than everyone else. Or when you, you choose not to get hammered at university and, and people look at you as if you're from another planet. Or when your unbelieving spouse makes Sunday the most difficult day of the week and when they will do anything to try and stop you from meeting with other Christians. Remember that you are becoming part of a spiritual house, the place where God himself dwells by his Holy Spirit, rejected by the world, but chosen and precious to God. Because you are part of that spiritual house, not by coming to a building, but by coming to Christ. There is nothing special about this building. But there is something unimaginably precious about Christ. And as we come to him, as we trust in him for forgiveness, we too as living stones can know the presence of almighty God in our midst. Is that not a massive encouragement to you if you're a Christian and you're feeling under pressure? That as you you gather with other believers in a home, in a gathering like this, as you pray together with your family, or with Christian colleagues at work or at university, you you do know that God himself is in your midst. You do know that, don't you? Because no one is pretending that church is perfect. Far from it. Sometimes church life is incredibly difficult. Throughout history, there has always been a sign outside the gathering of every group of Christian believers saying, building work in progress. You see that? Chapter 2, verse 5. We are being built. We are being built. The church is building work in progress. And that's why our experience of church life is so mixed. It's why there is both joy and disappointment. It's why there is reality and hypocrisy. It's why there is love and pain. And it will always be so, this side of heaven. It will always be so. See, the problem with living stones like living people is that they don't always do what they're told. This spiritual house that we call Christ's church forward, not the building, the people, it's full of all sorts of problem stones. I'm looking at several hundred of them now, and you're looking at one more in the pulpit. Now, I see, some of us are angular stones, sharp around the edges and uncomfortable to be around. And some of us are proud stones, always sticking out because we want to be noticed. Others of us are crumbling stones, 
For the fact is that the storms of life have so battered us and left us fragile that we're, we're only just in one piece because somehow we're wedged between others. We are being built. The church is a community where building work is still in progress, which actually is a warning to any one of us who are, are thinking of sort of church shopping. Because actually, sometimes all you end up doing is just drifting from one building site to the next. We are being built. The church is a community where building work is still in progress. Nevertheless, if you trust Christ, you are becoming part of a spiritual house, rejected by the world, but chosen and precious to God. You see, not even the rejection and opposition of the world can stop this building project, verse 7. The stone the builders has rejected has become the cornerstone. Somehow God used even people's rejection of Christ to lay the very foundation of the church. Even as wicked men crucified Jesus Christ, God bought good for the sake of his people. The stone the builders has rejected has become the cornerstone. Of course, the fact that God is sovereign even over people's rejection of Christ is both an encouragement to those who trust him and it's a warning to those who reject him. The encouragement that is, is that God can even use the world's rejection to bring good for the sake of his people. And the warning? Well, that comes in verse 8. Christ is a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. You see, Christ is either the stone you build your life on or it is the rock that you are crushed by. Jesus himself put it like this, he who falls on this stone, he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Well, in the face of the world's encouragement and opposition and encouragement to believers, you are becoming a spiritual house, rejected by the world, but chosen and precious to God. Well, secondly, and much more briefly, you are a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. If you trust Christ, you are a holy priesthood, offering Spiritual sacrifice is acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. See, it is very important to understand that Peter is, isn't trying to encourage some sort of self-satisfied ghetto mentality. But when you're under pressure from the world's opposition, you can take the easy way out either by conforming to the world or by withdrawing from the world. And Peter says you must do neither. You must neither conform to the world nor withdraw from the world. You see, under pressure, we should rightly be encouraged that God is building a spiritual house and that in Christ we are chosen and precious to him. But being part of a spiritual house isn't the same as hiding in a religious fortress. In other words, Christians must be in the world but not of the world. You see, Christians are, verse 5, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
You did know that, didn't you? That all Christians are priests. You don't need a dog collar. You don't need a bishop's license. You don't need a theological degree. All God's people are priests. Now, of course, Christ, as the book of Hebrews puts it, is our high priest. He is the one who mediates between us and God. You, you don't need another person to stand between you and God. Christ is our high priest, but all believers are priests who can offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Of course, the whole idea of being priest doesn't seem particularly clear or even vaguely attractive to most of us. Now, when Keanu Reeves appeared in the film The Matrix, priest-like cassocks were momentarily fashionable, The trouble was that in order to look really cool, you needed the shades and an ability to fly through the air in slow motion. Again, the background is from the Old Testament. So Paul read from Exodus 19, where God speaks to Israel, words that reminded them of what God had done for them in Egypt and of how he had carried them on eagles' wings and brought them to himself. And now that God had rescued them, they were to be for him a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. In other words, now that God had saved them, they needed to show the world what it meant to belong to God. So, too, for the Christian. We are saved by faith in the death of Jesus Christ, not to withdraw from the world, but rather to engage with the world. We are to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You think, well, what on earth does that mean? Well, it seems to me that Peter explains exactly what he means in verse 9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The spiritual sacrifices that Christians are to offer are lives and lips that bear witness to what God has done in Jesus. We are to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. To put it bluntly, our spiritual worship is to explain the gospel to other people. Of course, it's not just what we say. It's never less. It's always more. We are, as Peter's going to go on and say in verse 12, we're to live such good lives among the communities in which we placed. The spiritual sacrifices we are to offer are lives and lips that bear witness to what God has done in Jesus Christ. So, as we finish this evening, let me ask you a question. How's the worship been for you? I don't mean did you like the songs. Our music matters. And Sunday evening singing is an important part of our worship, even if it's not the totality of our worship. But you see, the challenge of 1 Peter is not particularly about Sunday worship. It's about Monday to Saturday worship. It's not about whether we sang enough golden oldies today or whether we could really get into things tonight because we sang the very latest in cool music. In fact, sometimes Christians use singing to do the very thing that Peter encourages us not to do. 
Instead of engaging with the world and living and speaking for Jesus, we retreat from the world and we sing to one another endlessly. If you are a Christian here this evening, you are part of a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So how's the worship been for you? Are you living for Jesus? Are you speaking for Jesus? At home with your parents, with your boyfriend or girlfriend, with with your spouse and with your children, with your friends, with your work colleagues. How's the worship for you? See, you're the only person that can answer that question. Feeling under pressure as a Christian? Finding it hard to live God's way? Well, Peter says, stick with Jesus. Because you are becoming part of a spiritual house, rejected by the world, but chosen and precious to God. Not that you might withdraw from the world. Rather, so that you might engage with the world for the Christian The Christian community, Peter says, is a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Well, let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for Christ, the living stone on which the church and our lives can be built. Father, in the midst of the world's rejection and opposition, may we know the preciousness of being found in him. And may we, Father, this week, worship you in a way that is acceptable through Christ, as we proclaim the praises of you who have called us out of darkness into your wonderful light. For your name's sake. Amen.